Uh, there's nothing harder than learning how and actually living a life where you are yourself. It's one of the most difficult things I think we'll accomplish in our life. Self-awareness, one thing, but actually knowing who you are and really being able to live that life is one of the most important things I think that you're ever going to do for yourself. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for coming in and joining on episode two of Prison Rules. I had a lot of great response on the first one. Some of you sent me some uh, emails, some messages, and I'm going to answer one or two of them here on this one. But today I want to uh, touch on a really important prison rule. Oh, just so you know, my name is Mike Olton. Uh, I am the host here of Prison Rules. We come from Crowbar City, Vancouver, British Columbia. And we are just a group of guys who are really looking to change your perspective on life. And we want to change your perspective by sharing with you stories about our life and our survival and the things that we've been through and how we have managed to internalize and adjust because that's really basically all it comes down to when it comes to living a happy life is knowing how to adapt, how to adjust your life and, uh, and doing things that are good for you and healthy. Here on Prison Rules, it's a little bit of a different scenario uh, than other podcasts. I'm actually going to share with you some of the lifestyle and prison rules that all prisoners have to abide by or have to kind of... Ad- apply to their life to adjust to being inside prison because <laughs> that is an adjustment all itself you have no idea that's a whole other topic but today I want to talk to you about uh, something that has been pretty important lately in my life and it's prison rule number two which is own your crime in other words owning your mistakes and in prison rules just like everything starts off with a story that kind of helps set the bar and I'm going to go really personal with this story because this is uh, a lot of this story plays into the origin story of who I am and why I became the person I became and it was also the catalyst for uh, for change for me as soon as I owned this anyways let me take you back I'm going to take you back to 1985 first year of WWF uh, Wrestlemania was huge that year I remember it was a big year I think I was great. I was 10 years old, approximately. And uh, life was kind of tumultuous in my house. I won't lie. You know, I had young parents who really didn't understand how to be parents. And I was a real bad kid. Now that I know myself at 44, I understand that I was, you know, I had uh, chemical imbalance, emotional issues, stuff that I was born with that my parents couldn't cope with. And back in the 80s, all they did was just throw medication. Well, we're trying this new medication, Ritalin. Let's try that. And all these other things. That's how it was back in the 80s, right? Didn't have anxiety. It was like bad kid, good kid. That's it. They didn't understand. So for me, uh, the catalyst of change in my life uh, happened when I was about 10 years old. And I remember the story really, it was like it happened yesterday, to be honest with you. I remember I was watching, it was a Friday night, 1985, 86. I was watching the A-Team on TV. In my mom and dad's back bedroom, they had a bunch of guests. So in the front, my aunt was there, an uncle. 
and they had some guests and they were talking like adults do and there was a little bit heated my dad could get a little bit heated at times for whatever reasons and I just we just got used to it and I remember sitting in the back bedroom it was all by myself and I was watching the A-Team which I loved and I remember the door came open and it was the boyfriend of my aunt no wait a minute no that's not what happened well see memories Woo. my dad came in and said hey we're gonna go and see your uh, aunt so we drove out to my aunt's house and I remember we got there and I didn't think anything was wrong I had previously just spent the weekend there with um, with my auntie and her cousin and my cousins and everything was good we were playing and uh, I remember there was nothing really too crazy or special about um, about the night like it was just whatever so my I think my parents went away for that weekend or something anyways so I uh, I never was there and then my dad took me back probably about four or five days later went back there and the boyfriend of my aunt uh, piece of shit uh, asked me to go for a ride with him in his truck and so we went for a ride and we're in the truck he's asking me you know you know what was wrong with me and did I know what I did and I, I was totally confused I had no idea what he was talking about he's like what did you do to Chris who was my nephew at that time who I've never spoken to by the way ever and he's like well what'd you what'd you do to him what'd you do to him I'm like I didn't do anything I, I mean I don't know what you're talking about he drove me to the police station I'm a 10 year old kid all right and yes I've been bad and yes I've lied a lot and yes you know I wasn't exactly you know the perfect fucking kid but you know who was back then those days right when people don't understand you how do you even you know cope how do you even figure out how the fuck you're supposed to be right anyways um so they took me to the police station and i'm like why am i here sat me down in the chair police officer looked at me and asked me what i did to my cousin i'm like i have no idea where you're talking about i'm 10 years old i'm nearly crying so they uh they i didn't said i didn't know anything it was almost like they were interrogating me dude they threw me in a jail cell i was 10 years old and they threw me in this jail cell and locked me up and walked away. And I was like, what the fuck? I was bawling, bawling, bawling my eyes out. Then they pulled me out and they're like, okay, what'd you tell us what you did? And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, Michael, it would just be easier for all. I remember this fucking cop. I remember the goof boyfriend. I remember all these things. It's so clear in my head. And they're like, why did you sexually assault your cousin? And I looked at him and I'm like, what? I didn't even know what that meant. He's like, somebody put something in his bum and it hurt him. And they blamed me. And I had no defense at the time because I was a kid who was a liar and wasn't exactly the perfect kid for anybody. And so my credibility was all out the window. And uh, I couldn't charge me. They couldn't charge me because I was only 10 years old. So it was just a shaming. You know, it was a fucking shaming of a 10-year-old kid. That I know that my family, I love them, and I know they regret it. But they were manipulated by someone as well. Into making them believe that it was me. But that little incident that happened almost got me killed later on in life. Anyways, what happened uh, after that is, um, you know, they said, well, I, mean, I didn't confess because I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Uh, I went back home, you know, obviously my dad is upset thinking I'm lying and that I did something. They're obviously thinking I'm fucked up. Uh, and they sent me to the Eric Martin Pavilion, which was a mental institute for children. And I sat there 
every year. Wondering what the fuck I did wrong. Sat there with kids who were like me behavioral problems who really were fucked up. Who really did do sexual assaults. Who really did hurt people. And I sat there and I was made to believe that was me. It was such a crazy institution. Eric Martin Pavilion in, in uh, Victoria. It's so crazy, dude. They make you wear pajamas when you're bad. And I hated the pajamas because they had the big pee hole in the front. And my peanuts would fall out. And I have to walk around like wearing them backwards. And they're like, don't wear them backwards. So I was bad all the time. So I had to wear pajamas all the time. It's horrible. Anyways, um, over all that, it sounded horrible at 10 years old to be there for almost a year. And when I got out, I went to foster cares and, you know, my parents didn't understand. It's not their fault. They didn't understand what was happening to me or to them being young. So let's flip ahead about uh, 10 more years, maybe a little bit more, about 15 years. And this is where it comes down to our topic today about owning your crime and owning your mistakes. Once in prison, there was a time when uh, people were doing paperwork check. And they do this sometimes in prison for a number of reasons. One, if they want to get rid of rats or sexual offenders or if there's rumors that somebody's a cop or a fucking undercover in there, right? You got to get your paperwork and you got to post it on your door. So... That's my girl calling. I'll call her back. So, once in a while, this would happen. We'd have to put our paperwork on the door. And one time it happened. This was in, like, summer of... Had to be around 2008. So, everyone gets their paperwork, and the staff know about it. You know, everyone's going to get their paperwork. So, everyone applies for it, and they get their big stack of paperwork. And then everybody puts it on their door. And then we find out who's rats or who's got bad shit on their record. And everybody goes through everyone's record thoroughly and all their paperwork very thoroughly because they're trying to find out someone who has something on their record that shouldn't be there. And then they get to me. And... Someone went through my paperwork and found one sentence that almost killed me. It was that Mike was charged or was suspected of sexually assaulting his baby nephew, Christopher. It doesn't say that I was 10. It doesn't say that I was exonerated. It didn't say that it didn't come. It didn't even come on there that later on in life it was proven that I was set up by my own family to go down for this because my mother was black. I had a racist other half of the family, not my father, but his fucked up family that didn't like the fact that he married a black woman and they wanted to take him out, want to take her out, wanted to take me out. I was the weakest link. I was gone. So it all came out later. But when you're sitting in the penitentiary, federal penitentiary, and people are doing paperwork checks on people, and they come across one line in a near-perfect criminal record that says sexual assault or what have you, that is a check moment for yourself. And anybody who's ever been in that situation, if you have, well, <laughs> I feel sorry for you. Hopefully you didn't do it. But I know I didn't do it. And I had to own it at that moment. I had to say, yep, that's all my record with this is what happened. You know how many times I had to explain myself? Everyone's worried about being sexual and I had to explain it. And people were like, no, I don't care. 
you know, the hardcores were like, no, fuck that, he's getting it, and then the other guys were like, well, you know, his story makes sense, it's not, there's the truth, there's no make sense or anything, it's the truth, but at that particular point, man, I had to own it, right, yes, I had to own it, yes, I got charged with that, yes, I was a kid, I had to own it, man, I fucking owned it, I looked at him and said, no, I didn't do that, this was the situation, it was my word against, you know, the word of the corrections, so thank God they took my word, right, but that was, you know, that was hard, man, people, people left that, that day because of things they had on a record, guys who were very well known, right, but I stood up for myself, I explained it, people understood, I didn't run like some people would do when they have guys showing up at your door with knives ready to stab you, I didn't run, I owned my life, and that's what it really comes down to right now in our lives, like, we, we all have misery and suffering, and we have a lot of things that we're struggling with, but as soon as you own those things that you struggle with, your life starts to take on a different meaning, right, part of having a good life is owning who and what you are, you know, knowing who you are, the self-awareness is important, but knowing what you stand for, even more so, is important. I remember when I was a criminal, and we adhered to both, the two different kinds of standards. One standard was the jail and convict and prison and, you know, criminal code of ethics, all these fucked up rules that make sense, right? And then who you are, you hire a criminal, I'm like, yeah, I'm here, I'm a criminal, and I guess that's who I am. I'm just going to be a criminal. These are the, this is the belief system that most of these guys have, right? I have a belief system that I'm never going to become better. I'm never going to be a better person, right? And this is my environment that I'm in and I'm thriving in it. So I guess that's who I am. I'm that guy, right? And that's why change never happens. They never get to own really what they are. They never get to say, you know what? I was abandoned as a child, I felt like, and I'm owning this now. And yes, it happened to me. And I'm not going to let it affect the rest of my life. Those, those were the exact statements, people, I went through. Yes, these happened to me. Yes, it, it was a big fuck up in my family. Yes, it was fucking very hard time to get through. It took me 20 years. But fuck it, man. It happened. I accept it. That's not who I am. I stand for something different than that. And that's how I'm going to thrive and get ahead. When you own your life your mistakes or your wrongdoings, you live easier and more balanced. You become happy. You become happy. It's like if you know what looks good on you clothing-wise, you wear it all the time because you feel good. And you know people look at you and they feel and they feel like, wow, I'm impressed or whatever, right? That's what you can do with your life by owning your life and owning your mistakes and owning the things that you've done. You know, for me, part of getting out and staying out of trouble um, or out of like a bad life, bad situation is basically I had to de- definitely had to own who I was and I had to state what I stood for. So you have to make these comments like I have some friends who are all criminals my whole life, but it wasn't until I said I got to walk away from you guys because I'm going to get back into becoming a criminal. It wasn't until I made that move and stated what I stood for that I was actually able to find happiness and start to find real success, right? You have to say it out loud what you stand for, right? Who cares what people think? What, if you're still worrying about what people think, you must be in high school because if you're not in high school, you need to stop worrying about what people think, 
right? Your main objective in all of this, your main inject objective in life is self-aware, self-awareness. It's not acceptance. Acceptance is what you think you need because you're coping with trauma and you think you need to be accepted by everybody because of the trauma that you've suffered that has not been dealt with. When the truth is, if you knew who you are with self-awareness, you understood who you are, you could get over anything. You can literally get over any trauma, whether it happened 30 years ago, 50 years ago, or just yesterday. Right? People just think that acceptance from peers is more important than accepting yourself. It's a true statement. People worry, look on Facebook, worry about how people think about them. And instead, you're able to put yourself out there looking like a clown or you put yourself out there looking fake in order to get some good positive response back. Right? People worry, they worry so much about that. When instead, put yourself out, be real and put your real self out there and I guarantee you will get way more likes and way more compliments than if you put your fake self out there. You know, we, ex- we accept more trauma from our own actions and excuse others. Think about that. We accept more trauma, right? We accept more of the repercussions from our own actions and we excuse what other people do. So, for example, you know, if people give you a bad comment on there, right? If you, you know, if people give you a cry, you just shake it off. You're like, man, whatever, right? But you can cause yourself a lot of trauma just by not owning the fact that's right. Now, I, know, I might not have explained that correctly. So someone makes up, you're wearing something on Facebook. I'm just going to use Facebook, for example. So you wear something on Facebook and someone puts a negative comment on, oh, that looks disgusting, right? So you can do two things. You can one, excuse, ah, I don't care. I don't care, right? I don't care. You know, I'm just going to ignore that comment, right? When realistically it bothers you. If you own it and say, this fucking bothers me, and do something about it, about that comment, whether it's either, you know, pipe back at them or, you know, take their criticism and be like, you know what, they're right, right? Whatever action it is that you choose to take, you will feel better in the long run that you took an action and you didn't excuse it than if you do, but we're so quick to excuse other people that it, it really is the one thing that is really bringing you down. It's bringing you down. Right? Confrontation is not just like arguments and everything. Confrontation is coming to grips with that comment. If someone says, I don't like your hair, sure, you could take it wrong, but you can also go, wow, why would that person not like my hair? Why would that person say that? Ask these questions. Why, why do they think my hair looks bad? Does my hair look bad? Am I looking at myself in a, a light that is uh, unrealistic? Right? These are all legitimate questions, people, that nobody asks. We just take everything and we react, right? Reaction is what is causing the sadness. And when you start to own your life and you start to own your mistakes, you start to own all the things that you are and what you stand for, you start realizing that these grief and all this anxiety and all of a sudden doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Right? When you're a solid human being and you just you own everything, it doesn't exist. All the pain and trauma doesn't exist. It's the same with crime, you know? When you own your crime, you can, you can begin to create a new life, right? Like in prison, people ask me, how did you do 10 years straight? You did 10 years straight? Yeah, I was in jail from 21 to 31. I was actually in jail from 21 to 32. You did 10 years straight? How did you do that? I said, well, because in year five, I realized I don't have to be here. I can be in jail, but I don't 
have to mentally be in jail. And so I figured out a way to get myself mentally out of prison, which is writing, thanks to Ed Griffin. Right? I found a way to get myself out, which hope, right? Writing gave me hope. And I realized that if I had hope, then at least when I got on the street, you know, I was going to get out running and I'm going to get out with a dream and I'm going to go chase it. Little I know life took over, right? But when you owned your crime and you own the things you did, yes, I was a drug dealer. Yes, I was a drug smuggler. Yes, I sold drugs and killed people. Yes, I ruined my family's life for a, a long period of time. Yes, I ruined my relationship with my daughter, which is the ha- most harmful thing that's happened. Yes, I fucking have screwed up my life for 40 years and now I'm just starting late. Yes, all those things. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, I was a scumbag. Yes, I was uh, not the greatest person in society. Yes, right? These things. Yes, I was all of that stuff. But guess what? Reset. Reset, right? When you say everything and you own who you are, you can legitimately press that reset button and move on to the next level of your life. You literally level up. When you own what you are and own who you are and what you've done, you level up in society. And people don't see one level. They see 10 levels, but you got to take those one level, two level, three levels, and to get to 10 levels. And then when you get to 10 levels up of an upgrade of your life, people start to realize it. But then it's too late because you're a different person. That's where you want to be in this world, right? That's how you want to be addressing your life is always looking for the level up. When you own your mistakes, you can begin to live a happier life on the street, is what I learned. I got out hiding the fact that I was a criminal. But then I started to realize the more I told people, I got different reactions. And those reactions, you know, were, were light, were steps, were lessons. I told a police, a police officer pulled me over and he's like, ah, oh, you've been out of jail for a little while. How's it been? I said, it's been tough. It sucks. Straight life sucks. Working for a living sucks. But you know what? I'm doing it. I'm going to get through it. And there's better days. And he let me off the ticket. He's like, awesome, man. Good job. I owned it. I didn't hide and lie and be defensive to him and whatever. I opened myself up and said, yeah, I'm a convict criminal. I don't care. That's not who I am now. That's who I was 15 years ago. Start owning it. Yes, I was a shitty father. And this can go out for some of you. Yes, I was a horrible father. I wasn't there for my kid. And I'm suffering for it. This is you speaking. Maybe it's me too. Yes, I did that. Yes, I was a horrible father all those years. And yes, my relationship with my daughter is not great. But I own that. Yes, I did it. You can't come back at me and tell me I'm a piece of shit. Because I already know it. All I can do is make steps forward to either repair that relationship. Or even deeper, move on. Let's move on. Yeah, you cheated on your girlfriend or your wife. Yes. Own it. Stop beating yourself down. Yes, I did that. Yes, I fucked up. But you know what? That's not me now. I'm moving on. When you own it, you're able to move on. When I got out of prison uh, in 2009, I guess it was, 2010, um, I tried to be the old me. Right? I had to realize that... I had changed and that my environment had to change as well. That's when I got rid of all my friends and I stopped doing crime and I went and got a job. I had to change my setting to make my mindset, right? You had to change your environment to be able to change your mind. 
right? And, you know, for me, I lived in lies and everything was a lie, even white lies, why I couldn't come or why I couldn't see you or why I was late, lies, lies, lies. And as soon as I stopped lying and started owning everything, my life truly began to change people. I'm telling you, I don't just make these podcasts just to talk. I kind of do, but, but I also do it because I want you to realize I've been through things. I've been through hell and back. I haven't been molested. I didn't have a drug problem. I've suffered physical and mental trauma and I get it. I get it. And, I've, and I'm telling you now, you can bring yourself back from whatever brink of destruction you're at. You can bring yourself back to having a fulfilling life. Changing your environment is important to growth and happiness. Find a situation where you own who you were, but now you live as you are. Remember those words. That's actually how I'm going to end it. Own who you were, but live as you are. Don't let the past... And don't let anything that's happened to you that you feel guilty about or you feel you feel upset about, don't let that ruin what you have right now, which is great. Don't let it ruin your future. Your future is great. Right now is an opportunity for you to own everything you've done and be that person that you've always wanted to be, that person that you look at yourself and want to be. It's simple. Apply some prison rules to your life and you'll start to see that maybe these guys in prison have a better opportunity at life to have a happier life than most people do on the street. All right, that's good. Good 25 minute talk here. I hope you guys get something from this. Please don't forget to subscribe on YouTube to Crowbar City and also the ACDJ Vancouver. Don't forget to check out my friend Ryan Phillips. He's Ryan Phillips Warrior there on YouTube. He's a spiritual guy who's always got something great to say. Uh, if you want to send me an email, or you want to send me some messages, go on, on any one of the social media. Just look for ACDJ and you see my shiny face. And I will be happy to answer any questions or talk about anything that we need to talk about. Now, for just to end this, I had one uh, uh, watcher, I guess you call her, uh, hit me up with some questions. With one really good question, and I'm going to answer that for you, Anna. Right? Because Anna and I go back, and um, she, I've, uh, she was asking me, just let me see, I, I want to make sure I get this right from you. Anna. I want to make sure I get this right. Hold on. You asked me uh, about purpose. Hold on a sec here. I just want to find your thing here, Anna. I know. This is probably not the smart, greatest thing to do on a uh, podcast is to be talking to this. Um, (laughs) Dead air. Ding, 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 ding. Anyways, Anna asked me uh, to talk about um, uh, my future and where I where I see myself. All right, and let me see. Do 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 do. Ah, okay, I lost that part, Anna. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, um, oh. five priorities. 
and my vision. There it goes. Anna, it only took me 30 seconds to find it. That's a long time in podcast talk. Five priorities in life. All right. So the five, my five priorities in life um, are number one, myself. Uh, keeping myself healthy and happy. Number two is uh, my home. Keeping my home balanced and happy and stress-free includes my girl, my cats, everybody that's involved there. I want to keep everybody uh, calm. Uh, Number three is uh, other people's happiness. I am a cancer, born in July, and um, I am a very uh, empathetic person. I feel people as soon as they walk in the room. So whenever I walk in a room and someone's there and I can feel down, they're down, or I can feel tension or whatever, I uh, immediately gravitate to that person to make them feel better. It's a weird thing that I do. People are always like, oh, you're so outgoing and talking. And I'm like, dude, it's because I feel your pain and I gravitate to it because I want them to talk about it. Um, Number four priority. Oh, it's tough. I don't really have many priorities. Um, uh, Number four priority, I guess... uh, is um well is is also finding purpose in my life i mean uh, number four priority would definitely be finding out where i fit in and uh how i fit into this world and where i can contribute uh to make a difference it's the truth like you know even in entertaining what i loved about entertainment business was that i was able to make people's lives different right uh and number five priority i would be to uh to honestly and i know this kind of goes with number three but to really be able to love to be able to love, to have the option and the ability to do so, right? And, um, you know, for me, I've, I've been without it for a long time and I've worked hard to be able to uh, feel real love with my family, with my girl, with my friends. There's genuine love, not fake love, real love. So, you know, those, I hope those are my five priorities. I hope that made sense to you. I don't, I don't know if they did or not, Anna, but, um, and you said my vision. Well, my vision is I'm, I want to be standing up on a stage uh, talking to thousands of people and making them laugh at the same time, making them cry at the same time, but also really uh, expanding their minds in a collective way. And hopefully one day my words and my actions and my entertainment skills will bring me to that point to be able to do that for people. It's kind of like you, Anna. I know where you're going in life. And, you know, we're, we plan to take this journey in 2020 until this stupid virus came. So, you know what? Life goes on. We're not dying. We're not dead. We've got a lot of life left to go. And I really look forward to uh, doing something with Yana. Thank you for the questions. And everybody else, I hope this pr- episode of Prison Rules helps you. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe, like I said. And I'll see you again on the next episode of Prison Rules.